Hey Sanctuary Church family, it is so good to be with you today. I am Pastor Mike. I'm Eileen Gonzalez. And we consider it an honor to be with you today. Why don't we give a shout out to Pastor Mel and Pastor Lisa. And my buddy Jude. And we give honor to this great couple. What a great family of God that is with you. We're going to, for the next few weeks, study Journey Together With You on relationships. Yes. Big scary word. Sometimes a great word. Yeah, and today we're going to look at the church family relationships. But I think before we begin, why don't we have a word of prayer? Yes. Jesus, I thank you for this day. I thank you for allowing us to be together. Open our hearts, open our minds, so that we can receive your word and be what you have called us to be. Help us, Jesus. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, when we look at relationships, let's imagine for a minute that if all our relationships were easy and had no problems, that we would be the greatest parents, mm-hmm. that friendships would bring us the greatest joy, we would feel connected, satisfied, and happy, and let's face it, we probably would have less problems in life. But the reality is, is just as rewarding as our relationships can be, they can also bring frustration. They can bring hurt. They can bring disappointment. Mm -hmm. And if we're honest, sometimes people just make us angry, even our loved ones. Yeah, absolutely. I I think this is why we titled this series Distinct. Our relationships, our godly relationships, or the church family relationship is distinct from other relationships relationships that we have yes when we look at godly distinct relationships we feel like god has given us a few things to help us on this journey we believe that godly relationships distinct relationships should be transparent they should be transformative and they should be transcendent now while these are all really big words we're going to focus today on transparency we're going to look at what is transparency we're going to look at the types of relationships well really two types of relationships that we find ourselves in at the church Mm -hmm. what the bible says a distinct godly relationship is and god's design for our church family relationships and then we're going to bring it all back home and what does it mean to be transparent in our relationships according to the bible okay so five things we're going to look at Uh, Well, let's tackle the first one. And what is transparency? Well, transparency means to be clear, defined, and have direction. Everything that a godly church family relationship needs to have. Yes. Uh, Okay, so that's what transparency is. Uh, Why don't we we look at two types of relationships? I believe there's two categories that we find ourselves in 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 our relationships. And so I want to do this... Uh, quick mental exercise and uh, you're going to watch us do it you could uh, participate along let's go back to a time in our lives that was a while ago that's high school oh such a long time ago that's a long time ago okay um, okay let's do this let's let's pick a class math class freshman year name a classmate go ahead I i can't even see a classmate's face but I can. I know my my math teacher's name. His name was Mr. Barry. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm not so sure. I took a math class in high school. Mm-hmm. If I did, I didn't benefit from it, as you know. Um, all right. Well, let's let's kind of shift this a little bit. 
And let's look at a team. Were you involved in any team sports? Not coordinated enough to play in <laughs> any team sports, but I was an academic decathlon, so a team, you know. Okay. Had to win things. Okay, so there's a team there. Now, do you remember any of your teammates? Yes, absolutely. Um, Jackie Silva, John Kyle, uh, another guy named John, Edelin, Wences. I actually remember quite a few. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. Okay, I played high school basketball. So let me see, there's David Antaveros, there's Jaime Hernandez, Nathan Ochoa, there's my friend Nash. Nash is such a cool name. It is, it's like a I rock want a, star name. I want a friend named Nash. Okay. Uh, all right, so what are we saying here? Well, we have two groups, two classes of relationships here. There's a classmate, there's a teammate. Now, they share some similarities, these groups. We are gathering together with them. Uh, we spend time with both of these groups. And we are doing work or share some sort of goals with these groups. But I think we understand there's a difference between a teammate and a classmate. Yes. And so what does that mean for our church family? I think in our churches, we can sometimes be like classmates. We shake hands. We say hello. We walk past each other. But we don't necessarily do life with each other. Mm. Um, but really, God's intention, and we really do have an opportunity with our church family to become teammates, where we lean on each other, you know, where I'm weak, my teammate is strong, and to get to a common goal that, yes, we are trying to get to heaven together, right? Like, just like when we're in high school, we're trying to graduate mm -hmm. high school, but that's not the only reason why we're together as a church family. Mm -hmm. We want to lean on each other, do and do life together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I absolutely. You know, we can say it like this. There's the first group that that class example, their acquaintances. The second group, like you said, it's a little more intimate. We're sharing life with them, and that has to look distinct or has to be distinct. So. What's distinct? Define distinct for us. Distinct means we need to be recognizably different from something else. So for today, we want our relationships to be distinct from what the world has defined as good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I, I think just by virtue of, of being in the church, one of the things that we understand is that our new nature in Jesus Christ, it empowers us to live our shared experiences yeah. distinctly. It's different than all of the relationships because Christ is at the center of these relationships. And having pastored, been in church all my life, sometimes I think we think the goal is, well, let's get together. And as we gather together, let's be nice. Yeah. But that's not what the Word of God tells us. In Ephesians chapter 4, and hopefully you have your Bible with you, we're going to be at Ephesians 4. But Ephesians chapter 4 tells us, well, Paul says that we need to be kind to one another, not just nice. Right? Absolutely. And and we all like nice people. Hopefully you are a nice person. But Paul says, well, it may start out that way, but take the next step and be kind one to another. The point Paul's trying to make is, uh, is found in that word kind. When you break that down, I break that word down, it, it derives from a word kin. And we know what kin is. Kin is to be family. It's to be related. Um, this is kind of interesting that we're talking to a church that's in the South because I've actually heard this in the South and, and in all our other travels, we really haven't heard this word used too much. 
But we've spent a little time in the South. I know. I love it when I get to go. The food's so good. Absolutely. We love Rudy's Barbecue. We love to hang out at Bucky's. And uh, I don't know about Whataburger. Don't start. Don't okay, start. we won't start. We won't I, go there. <laughs> we don't want to have World War Three happen. Um, but I've heard people use a statement uh, when, to, when trying to uh, describe someone or, or uh, point to who they are. They would say, well... So-and-so, they're kin to, or she's kin to, meaning they're related to each other. We would say down here, oh, well, they're related to each other. Well, what does this mean? Well, Paul's saying, be kind to each other. Be kind one to another. More than just knowing one another, more than just being acquainted. Yeah. In the household of faith, we demonstrate something greater. We demonstrate kin one to another. He's saying... You're sharing an experience, so be family one to another. The church family is called to be just that, family. And this is what what we like to call God's good design yes. that goes back to the very beginning. The book of Genesis. The idea of human connection was something that God instituted. He saw it as necessary. If we look at Genesis chapter 2, we realize that He designed us to function together. He did not design us to function alone. Genesis chapter 2 verse 18 says, The Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. You know, it's an interesting statement because we a lot of times think that Man's first problem was sin, mm -hmm. but it mm -hmm. wasn't. No, no, no. Yeah, you're absolutely right. We we want to jump to Genesis 3 because that's where, you know, the world changed, so to speak. Sin, shame brought in the world. Yes. But God saw Adam's first problem being social isolation, hmm. not sin. The solution to all of that, though, was that God would create companionship. He's going to create friendship. And, and we we have said this, you know, uh, in in our moments of hurt or frustration. Well, all I need is God. It's just me and Jesus. Well, God didn't even do that for Adam. Yeah. He introduces friendship and companionship to Adam as a way of introducing him into another dimension of relationship. And God saw this as something good or something needful for Adam. And, and he says, it's not good. Yeah. He gives them a word, goodness. Yeah. So let's consider, God spends six days creating the heaven and the moon and the stars and the universe as we know it. And he gives this to Adam. And Adam has complete connection to God. He can communicate with him. But even God realizes that Adam needs more. God gave Adam Friendship. Absolutely. He, he, he says, you know, you brought up the creative acts of Genesis 1, Adam being the last of that. After every act, he's saying, it is good. Yes. After every creative act, he's saying, it is good. That word good means pleasant to the physical senses. And it's our senses that give us understanding about our world. They help us interpret the world around us, participate in the world around us, and thereby give us meaning of the world around us. So uh, God gives Adam and mankind friendship and companionship so that Adam would live a meaningful life. Mm -hmm. and, and I've even heard such statements like this. Well, God didn't say uh, after he create, created Adam, it was good. And, and he didn't. However, 
He gave him a vehicle to reach goodness, to move each other into goodness, and that's friendship, it's companionship, it's relationship. So God's intention was, I'm going to do something for Adam that's good, or it's going to move him into goodness. We understand that they fall, and of course that's not what Adam and Eve, that's not where they led each other. Jesus Christ comes and he remedies, becomes the bridge to that goodness. But he still expects, God still expects mankind to lead one another in goodness. And in that, God gives, you use the word, and we're going to use the word transparent. He gives a clear, well-defined path uh, how to lead each other into goodness, how to have healthy relationships as a church family. So let's go deeper with this word transparency. So let's take a look at what transparency now means for us in our relationships. Transparency means having thoughts, having feelings and motives that are easily perceived, right? So in a perfect world, we want all of our relationships to not have hidden motives. We don't want to make assumptions about people in our lives. We want, you know, we want to be able to trust that they have our best intentions right. at heart, right? But a lot of times a breakdown happens. That's not always the case. And so what ends up happening is we are hurt, our our feelings are hurt, maybe we're resentful, maybe we become skeptical, not just of that one person, but now we're skeptical of, of people in general mm. because mm. our trust has been broken. Absolutely. And and so God understands that about us and he says here's a clear path here's a not only a clear path here's a distinct path the word of God gives us a pathway which we can live health in healthy relationships one with another and we find that in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 2 so let's read that always be humble paul is telling us always be humble and gentle be patient with each other making allowances for each other's faults because of your love what a powerful scripture what a powerful scripture i think as we begin to unpack that we understand this that before god gives uh us you and i before he gives mankind in the church something to do he charges us with something to be. Mm, that's good. We focus a lot of times on our doing. God wants us to focus on our being. Because if we can focus on our being, the now, natural outcome will be the doing. But we sometimes, we mix this up. We get that. We get it mixed up a lot. You know, a lot when we describe our friendships, mm -hmm. we say things like, he or she is such a great friend. They would do anything mm -hmm. for me. Or we'll say like, oh, they're so nice. They would give me the shirt off their back. We're always describing friendships in things that are done for or to mm -hmm. us. Uh, but we've also heard the other end of the spectrum. Oh, well, they're just not doing enough for me. Mm -hmm. If I take it a little bit further, I'm sure we've said this or we've heard this in our churches. Well, I, I just don't feel connected. I don't feel like... Uh, you know, they're doing enough for my young person. They're doing enough for my kids. And we're not really being what Paul tells us to be uh, right. in Ephesians chapter 4. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, the Word of God, before it starts asking us to do things, it asks us to be things for each other. And, you know, it tells us be humble, be gentle, 
and be patient. These are things you don't do. You yeah. don't do humility. You don't do gentleness and you don't do patience. We, we don't describe it that way. We say you are humble. Yeah. You are gentle. You are patient. These, these godly traits that, that God gives us, that, that clear, distinct, transparent path before us incorporate three things. Uh, because we could we could get so focused on the doing, and I think you you brought out a good point that relationships sometimes are revolve around the doing. She yeah. does this for me. He does this for me. They would do anything. They're not doing enough. And God says, "I'm focused on your being. Mm-hmm. Let's take the step of being." So let's unpack uh, Ephesians chapter four, verse two, and we are challenged by Paul to be humble. Humble. First, first rule of order, be humble. Be humble. It's the first step. This is a list. So it's one and then two and three. So Paul says, be humble. Really, humility is living out our weaknesses before God. We're not hiding. We're not making excuses. We're not trying to justify ourselves. It is telling God that we understand we're flawed and we're weak. Yes. But Paul doesn't say just do that to God. He asks us to do that one with another. And when we can be transparent, here's that word again, when we can be open in our lives and communicate as a church family, I have faults, I have failures, I'm not always going to get it right. But in all of that, we're still kin. Yes. We're still connected to Ephesians 4.32. We're still being kind one to another. And Paul asks us to express this humility to each other. It's radically different than... It, the way we live our lives. We want to live our lives to our strengths. We yeah. say things, play to your strengths. We don't but want to show our weaknesses. We don't want to show our weaknesses. Nobody does. But Paul says, show your weaknesses. Because in the weaknesses, the power of God can can go forth in you, rest in you. The grace of God, which gives us the ability to grant forgiveness, give mercy. And so Paul says, be humble. Yes. Secondly, he says... Be gentle. And now, I really love uh, illustrations. So, a lot of times as a mother, uh, I have said this, I know you've heard other mothers say this, to a toddler or a child, hey, hey, be gentle, you might break it. I remember we went to, we were at the Smithsonian, Mm -hmm. we were in Washington, Mm D.C. That was fun. And we went to the Museum of Art, and we had to really get out of there so fast. Jack was about four or five years old, and I was waiting for him to run into an 800,000 year old statue and mm-hmm. I was terrified. Yeah. We, he was not gentle enough. He wasn't aware of where he was yeah, at. We will say things like, you know, hey, be gentle with that. Well, your yes. handling has some sort of value or at least maybe to us. So be gentle with that. Don't go crashing through the Smithsonian or anything like that. We tell a child that because we understand they lack the maturity to use their strength properly. Yes. And that is the biblical definition of gentle. The biblical definition of gentle is power with reserve. We have power, especially as we're being humble, God lets his power work through us. So we have the power, sometimes we lack the maturity to put it in reserve or to know how to handle this circumstance or situation. 
So gentleness in your example, great example, illustration is I'm tempering. I'm letting God work in me uh, how to properly handle people so that I'm not breaking what God's trying to build. I'm not hurting when I should be helping. And this is really challenging because you may be right. I may be right. I may be justified. But in all of that, Paul says, you still need to be gentle. You know, you need to know how to handle people with the proper amount of power. You need to have power with reserve. Just don't go bulldozing your way over people. Lastly, Paul gives us uh, the mandate to have patience. Be right? patient. What's patience? And patience is really... It, it really has to be supernatural. I'm sure we have all prayed for patience at one point in our lives, but it is the supernatural ability to be long-suffering, and we really need the Holy Ghost to have true, mm -hmm. godly, biblical patience. Absolutely. It's probably one of the hardest things for us. It's hard because the Bible tells us tribulation worketh patience. So there's some sort of pain associated with this word patience, but yet we're asked to be patient, and it is a supernatural gift as you have said but it also means not only long suffering it means to be long tempered mm -hmm. and when you temper something you can think of the blacksmith that is forging iron he's going to put that iron that's so hard he's going to put it in the fire yeah. and he's going to bend it he's going to give it some flexibility then he's going to quickly cool it off and he's going to repeat the process and each time bend that iron more and more and that's what patience is is that god's working flexibility in all of us god's getting us to the point not to where he's breaking us but he's he's molding us just enough so that when pressure does come mm. and we've had a lot of pressure in this season yes when pressure does come i'm tempered enough that I'm not broken by the relationships that fall apart sometimes or that are complex or that sometimes can be frustrating and, and make me angry. So I am tempered just right. That's patience. It's greater than mental fortitude. It, yeah. a matter of fact, it's not mental fortitude. We praise people and we read books about people who have mental fortitude. Sometimes relationships... Uh, sometimes relationships get to a place where we need to make hard decisions. Yeah. But when the Spirit is guiding us, we're understanding that God is leading and guiding and working in these relationships. So I'm not going to cut them off unnecessarily or prematurely. And as things begin to fall apart and as things begin to fracture and crack, which happens in any church, it happens in our church. Yes. You get to these moments that I'm, I've allowed... The Holy Ghost to work flexibility into my spirit. So I'm not demanding of people. I'm not demeaning and I'm not even demoting them. So yeah. I think in conclusion, we can take these three words and, and kind of recap. Let's recap these three words. So we want, Paul says we need to have humility. Be humble. I have weaknesses, but God gives me the grace and the power to live with them. Mm -hmm. and lean on my church family when I am weak and lean on God and the Spirit of God when we're feeling weak. We need to be gentle. Now, this is hard because we have to ask ourselves, am I breaking or am I building? Am mm -hmm. I a part of the breaking? Because I can't 
reserve the power that I have or am I part of building up Mm -hmm. the church family of God? And those are hard questions to ask, but God helps us. And really the supernatural ability to be patient and allowing God to temper us. I want to finish reading Ephesians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4 that follow verse 2. And, you know, if we read that, it says, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. And verse 3 says, make every effort to keep Mm -hmm. yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Mm -hmm. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. And it's such a beautiful scripture and really such a charge that Paul gives us to live in these godly distinct relationships. Uh, Wow, what a beautiful summary where Paul leads us that if you are being these things, Uh, humble, gentle, and patient, then you're going to be able to do these things, what we have read. So transparency is really uh, looking at our lives and understanding that God didn't break me. He built me. God is not the source of my hurt. He is helping me. And so I'm working those things out in my life and I'm giving grace to do the same. How powerful to be united together. And in this season, this pandemic that is still around, 2020, my goodness, what a challenging year that has ironically taken the mask off of all of us. Uh, it has it has brought things to boiling points. Yes. And and more than ever, the church family makes sense. It needs each other. It needs to lean on each other. Now is not the time to check out. It's time to check in. It's time to grow in a healthy relationship as we have seen the Word of God provide for us. So I encourage you today, let's grow together. Let's love each other. Let's be forgiving of ourselves. Let's be forgiving of others. Let's go the distance with each other. And let's be flexible enough to understand we're not always going to get it right. Thank you so much for letting us be in your home or wherever you're watching. It was an honor to do this. We had fun doing this. Thank you again, Pastor Mel and Pastor Lisa and little brother Jude. What a great couple God has left you. What great gifts you have to lead you all. I want to end in a word of prayer for you all that God would just continue to lead us. We may not have everything perfect, but we could take the right step today. That's right. And so we encourage you, read through Uh, these scriptures again, but apply them to your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we're in. You're not caught off guard by what's happening. You know, the feelings that work in us, the fear, Lord, the isolation that we feel at times, the loneliness, but you gave us a distinct, clear path. You want us to be in healthy friendships, healthy companionships. You've given us a distinct, clear, and a way to live transparent before you so that we could be humble, be gentle, and be patient. Bless this church family. Let your hand be upon it. Let your face shine upon them. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. God bless you. We're so honored to be with you today. Amen.